recorded live. Thank you. 
Growing up to the church and 
send them out into the nations so they will be able to bring more people and bring heaven on earth. That's why I'm, that's my particular motivation is to be a year to spend a wonderful world of prayer of God and teach everybody the gospel. Thank you.
you who are willing to listen and love your enemies, do the good to those who hate, bless those who curse you, pray for those who curse you. If, you. if someone slaps you on one sheet, offer the edge. Also, if someone demands a coat, offer also one sheet. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to do that. Do to others you want to do. And then, you know, I just think, you know, think, if my word is radical, I would want to live out every single part of this. What's more radical than being that type of Christian, that type of evangelist? So go out and want to spread that type of gospel and that type of kingdom of God. Even when it shows in the video, you confess to feel the sin. And he went, even though in the midst of everything, and Peter couldn't ask him to be Peter, you know, it was chaos. But Jesus was still studying the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Peter. And he showed his blood. He was talking to Jesus, he pretty much offered everything else that he had in him. So to me, my word is rad. All right. Good stuff, audience, and uh, if you're with us uh, and you can hear me, let me know. 
or if you can't hear me, just let me know there's a problem if you can. <laughs> we broadcast uh, on live feed uh, to and uh, and I hook up through the phone, and I've got a mic there, and they can hear me wherever we're at. And again, I want to welcome everybody for being here today. Thank you for using your Sunday to spend time with us and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done with us and what he continues to do through us. All right. There we go. All right. We okay? Have a walk around with this for someone that gets close. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, now. Father, let your word be preeminent. Holy Spirit, let this be your word, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. John eleven seventeen. Now, we're going to be speaking resurrection and the life. Children, y'all dismiss. Okay. Now, I want you to keep in mind. In Romans 8, 11, Jesus made a statement. He said, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, then he will quicken. That word quicken means he'll make alive your mortal body if that spirit dwell in you. Now, that word alive, can you, can you think this down a little bit? I'm loud as it is. Uh, I keep hearing the ringing. Okay, you all set? Okay. And... Uh, for those of our Spanish-speaking friends, I like this, how it says it here, the Espíritu de Dios, quien levantó a Jesús de los muertos, viven ustedes. Así como Dios levantó a Cristo, Jesús de los muertos, Él dará vida a los, sus cuerpos mortales mediante el mismo Espíritu que vive en ustedes. That Spirit of God in us makes us alive. Now you might be saying, what precedes resurrection. Very good. Nothing. There. What precedes resurrection? Death. It's real obvious. Now, a lot of people say, oh, when we get to heaven, you don't need resurrection in heaven because there's no death in heaven. En los cielos no hay muerte. Jesus, are you saying that Jesus was dead when he walked the earth? 
Nope. When he got nailed to the cross, that he died. Now, historically, that happened. He was buried three days in the earth. Jesus prophesied. There's so many prophecies that led up to that point. They were all fulfilled. Jesus then rose from the grave. 500 people. Now watch this. When he got buried, when he was buried into the land, when he died, the Bible says that the graves were open and people who were dead walked among the living telling them of Jesus Christ. That's a mind blower. Historically, that was proven because it was written about that which happened. So it wasn't even that. It was the Bible says it, but history says it too. Then Jesus went with his disciples, talked to them, had fish and chips with them, they got to feel his hand, the side. Thomas said, I don't believe unless I touch you. And he put his hand in the side, his hand. All that is historic, as well as biblical. Then when Jesus was telling them, giving them final instructions, he ascended. 500 witnesses saw him. So this attorney and some others that have studied this out, aside from the Bible, realized that of all the claims of all the different religions, this one had proof of the fact that their master, their rabbi, when I'm saying master, their rabbi, the teacher, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, rose from the dead. And they looked up and stared until he disappeared into the clouds. And he gave them instructions. Go and pray until you're filled with power. And they prayed. 120 days, they were in the upper room, and they, they prayed. The power of God showed up. And the thousands, was it 6,000 yesterday that we said that came to Jesus? 3,000 came to Jesus. Now, I like this part. It's interesting. They all heard the message. Peter preached full of the Holy Spirit. He ministered, and through a miracle, he spoke in tongues, and everyone heard a message in their own language. The Bible says it was a big sound everyone came to see. Now, when it says everyone came to see, and he preached his first message, 3,000 gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Guess what happened? They didn't turn around and say, wait, can I go to Bible school? Wait, how can I prove this theologically? Wait, I need to go to seminary. Am I a pastor? Am I an evangelist? What am I? They didn't. But they all scattered and began to do something that I heard these young people say. They began to tell. They began to speak. They began to testify. They just knew on the inside where they had to go. And they went all the way. Now watch this. There's a group that went west. And they went as far as Ireland and Scotland from that moment. This is written in the history books. The Bible doesn't say they went to Ireland or Scotland. Listen. You say, how do you know these, these records were so kept, kept very, very well? The, the Catholic Church has a lot of records that they keep and of, of what went on, and they maintain the history of, of uh, the early church. Now, you think about these things. What would 
in 20 years, the book of Acts says that the known world, it says the whole world, but in, in the Greek it actually means, it, it, well, it meant the whole world, but what we see historically is that the known world back then was what Rome had, had, had conquered. And in 20 years, without internet, without cars, planes, and trains, and all automobiles, in 20 years, the known world had churches established all over the place because someone had gone to go preach what they had seen, what they had heard, what they had touched, with miracles, signs, and wonders happening. Why? Why did that happen? Jesus said in John 6:63, 6, my words are spirit and they're life. What does that mean? Let's find out. Let's go to John 10.10. 10. Got it? Yeah. Jesus was talking about the enemy, and he said the thief comes only to steal to slaughter, and to destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The Greek says it to have it to the extreme. Everyone say extreme life. But who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? You know, many people say, well, God is a God of thunder, and he destroys, and he does this. Well, the King James was written poetically. And, 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 and poetically, a lot of the, they use the, Elizabethan English, and it was written in prose. You know what prose means? It's kind of a poetry with rules and regulations. So you can't use the same word in the same sentence twice, and so on and so forth. So we get illustrations that say God destroyed all these people. When the context of it is that, well, we see God of, of the wrath of God. Well, yeah, God did, was angry. But can I tell you something most of the time when you read in the scripture? Because a lot of people turn around and real quick to say that God killed these people. You know, and there are instances where some things like that happen, but for the most part, it was that if man would continue on a certain path, everyone say judgment. You know what a judgment is? A decision rendered. You know, when the judge turns around and looks at you and says, you know, uh, the, the, the court and the jury find you guilty, and what's the judgment? They, they turn around and say, as it was written in the law, 60 days. Decision rendered. A judgment is a decision rendered. A lot of people think it's the bad stuff. What? How many of us go to the store and we prefer brands? And you look at one brand over another brand and you look at this. You know what we do? We judge a lot. How many are label readers now? How many of you saw the thing at McDonald's? Big Mac, quarter pounder, and Big Mac's about 80 cal 700 calories. And 
such and such has this, no nutritional value, and what do you do? I'm not going there. So you go to Baja Fresh instead. You just made a judgment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, a lot of people get really scared. Oh, man, you know, everybody wants to judge me. Nobody wants to judge you. The Bible says that the evil one stands judged already. If you hang out with what the evil one is doing, you're going to bear his judgment. Let's go back to John 11. I want to show you something there. See, a decision rendered, God had spoken way, way, way back when and said when people, when, when Adam sinned, he was a, a perfect man. He was in God's likeness and his image. He named all the animals. So he goes, I don't believe that. Well, it's okay. The Old Testament is not a story. Imagine. Remember what I told you? If you can believe the resurrection, then the rest of it comes easy. But watch this. This, this is awesome. Watch. He was told to take what was in Eden and take it all over the world. But then we found out that he sinned. Now, what does sin mean? It means miss the mark. What's the mark? To be like God. That's the mark. Everyone, talk, everyone look at your neighbor and say, sin is a condition. It's true. Like, in our class, or when we, we talk to our kids, or we talk to... El pecado es una enfermedad. Es una condición. Tú no tienes. Es lo que es. That's what it is. Sin is a condition that we find ourselves in because when Adam sinned, he was taken out of the garden, and now he was connected to the evil one and not connected with God. What Jesus came to do in the resurrection when he was raised from the dead was to connect us back with God. That's why Jesus is called the last or the second Adam. Because through one man, death came. Through one man, Jesus, life came. That's why we read here, watch. In John 17, he was talking about Lazarus. He arrived and he found Lazarus had already been dead because the, the, he, he came and it was a friend of the family. He said, you got to come. He's sick. On his way over there, he healed a couple of people. It took a little longer. And they'd say, hey, why are we still going? He told them, he says, you know what? If you stay with me, you'll see the glory of God. He's not dead. He's asleep. And so let's go. Verse 18. Now Bethany was near... Jerusalem, about 50 stadia away, and many of the Jews had come to, to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed home. Martha told him, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll give you. And she said, your brother will rise again. Now here's what happened. So many of us like to bring experiences, experiences with, with the experience that we have with God and we bring God down to our level or we bring our understanding and say, like she did here, well, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. How many ever hear that? Oh, in the old by and by, then all things will be right. But how do you have heaven on earth? By bringing the realm of his kingdom here, because Jesus said, I'm going to give you the kingdom, the realm, the sphere of influence that you have because of the one you carry on the inside, that sphere of influence, whatever you influence based upon the kingdom, and his word, you'll have. But watch this. 
So many of us say, well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Well, can I tell you something? Without going into deep teachings, I'm going to cut it short here. The Bible says that there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, but there's also a law of sin and death. The Bible says that the law of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death. Now, when the, those words were used on purpose, the law isn't something that slams you. In the Old Testament, the law condemned you. How? Because you didn't measure up to God. Remember what I told you sin was? God is the plumb line that you measure everything you do. So it was impossible for you to come back to God because you don't measure up. The actual word sin is like if you were have if you're shooting arrows at a target, anything that does not hit the target is a miss, which meant it was a sin. That's why people say, well, you have to confess all your sins to God. Impossible. How many mess up more than once in a day? How many mess up and you don't even know? People say, you know, you really angered me. What? What did I do? I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. It's true. How many of you ever... I'm, just, I'm going to be real plain with you. How many of you ever stepped in dog mess and you really didn't know until so you're kind of smelling something and you start checking your shoes? All the time. Well, who, who, who sells that? All the time. Okay, well, you know, you've got to watch where you walk, buddy. But what? But, but what happens is, or someone tells you, you, go, man, you stink. Check your shoes. No. But when you, but when you, that's how it is when we mess up. We don't even know because it's a condition. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It's a condition that you live in. But watch what he did. When you are forgiven, you're forgiven all the time. Because forgiveness, the Bible says, came once and for all. No más llegó, perdonó una vez, para siempre. How can that be? Tradition, my friend. Tradition. But what if I mess up, and I know I did? John, first John, you become aware and you restore your relationship. Because at the end of First John 1, it says, and the blood of Jesus continually is working to cleanse your heart from all unrighteousness. It's always working in you. So what do you do? Father, I messed up. You don't confess your sin. Father, I messed up. Oh, my God. You know, how many of you have ever had an off day with God? How many of you have ever had an off day all the time? How many of you have ever had a, a time where you just said, forget you, God, I'm not going to mess with you, and a year later you come back saying, you know, I really do need God? That's what the law does. It, it makes you aware of the fact that you have not done it. It says, your brother will rise. You know, Jesus told him, I'm the resurrection and the life. The person who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. What did he bring you? Life. Now, that word life is not life. See, when we're talking about words that God, Jesus spoke, he took the words that were used in the common language, but he made them his. This kind of life is a life that's infused with God's power. Why? Because when Jesus spoke and he said, I'm giving you life, he raised him from the dead. Look what he did. Indeed, everyone who, it says, everyone who believes, who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? Did you know that death for the believers is a mere crossing over? That the sting of death has been taken away. It's a mere crossing over. You live 
Because we, he, you know who you are? You're a spirit. You possess a soul, and you live in a body. Even science knows that. So you're made up of three different types of, three different parts of who you are, the spirit, soul, and body. The part that's eternal is the spirit and soul, the spirit of man, and the soul. What's the soul? The seat of your emotions, the intellect. It, 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 it's, it's that part of you that, that how many of you ever get a gut feeling about something? Man, I, I knew I should turn right instead of left and you're stuck in traffic. How many inside of you knew that you should get off on this exit and they said, ah, that doesn't look too bad, and now you stop because they're, because for whatever reason, Caltrans wants to fix the road and take away three lanes at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. How many have been there? And then you have tailgate parties with people you don't even know because traffic isn't moving. The truth, man. I've been there. Matter of fact, man, he was with me one time. We met a whole bunch of people on the 60 freeway. And it wasn't moving. Inside of you, they have proven, the science agrees with the Bible now, is that out of your belly, the Bible says, slow rivers of living water, that there's something there, that the, that the gut, that the part of the stomach and the, and the gut have as many nerve endings as the mind that, that are very sensitive to situations. How many ever have something has happened where people say, oh, man, my heart went into my stomach? And you don't feel something hit here, it starts here and just radiates through your whole body. How many of you ever had something like that happen? These are the studies that they've done over and over again to show that, there's a, that it's a true that your gut feeling instincts are true. The redeemed man now can trust those instincts because they're no longer warped. Because the Bible says that the entrance of God's word brings light. And now that word light means a development. And the Bible says the development. That word development, now some of you millennialists, you have no idea what this is. But back in the day, when you were, when you, were you know, because now we can take a picture and send it across the world and real quick. But back then they had to develop the picture. And what were they developing? Images. True? Chemical reactions. I took photography back then. You had to basil thing in this, put it in that, put it in there, and then hang it. And then see if your pictures can little by little. Polaroid does that. Now they come with retro cameras, they call them. You thing comes out, you got to rub it with some kind of lipstick, and, and then it comes out. That's what it reminded me, a little stick, and you just rub it. And just... That's developing. Well, developing, that's what he says. The light of the Word of God develops you into what? His image. But you don't lose your personality. You don't become anything other than who you are. That's the thing. You don't lose your expression. If you're an artist, God doesn't want you to hang up being an artist and, and, and go preach. He wants you to be an artist and through that reach people. You don't lose your identity. But you come through a veil, the Bible says, and you come in one place one way, change the other way, and it's called resurrection life. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and it quickens, makes alive. That word life is the life of God on the inside of you. I heard someone say the other day, well, God and Adam were exactly the same way. No. He created them in his image and likeness. But he's missing, the Bible says that we have become a more perfect being through him. Now that word perfection doesn't mean that you're perfect now. It means that he's speaking to who you are and will be in eternity. Because his spirit came to dwell on the inside of man. To be quick, 
Corinthians 5 talks all about how that God made you fit for royalty. How many know that sometimes you got people visiting? And, and if someone's going to visit, especially if it's someone you haven't seen in a long time, you respect them. The more you respect them, the more you clean your house. Matter of fact, some people, some people will put a new roof, lay some new sod on the front yard. They, they pour, back in the day, they used to use some kind of acid to clean their sidewalks, but you can't do that anymore. But, you know, they would clean it up, muriatic acid, and it just whitens up your, your driveway. You put a new carpet, you do this, and they did it for a week. And you did all that for a week. How many know that some, of, some people have been known to do that, right? You put on what, the, what we know as putting on airs. You dress up the kids when they're normally slobs. You know what I mean? Just, don't you get dirty. Well, you know what? Isn't it true? I mean, we were brought up that way. I remember one time we fell down, and, my, and, and, I, and, and I was bleeding all over the place, and I got in trouble because I got blood and tore my pants. Have you, have you heard that expression? That you cut yourself all the way down to the white meat? I mean, all just... But mom, my legs, shut up, none of this. You got blood and ripped your pants. But see, this is how we think God is, that we have to put on airs. But he knows us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And now what he says, watch this, this is so awesome. Now he made us like him, but he made this body that's imperfect in an imperfect world, and he made it right for him, through Jesus Christ, because he tore the curtain, he opened up the heavens, we can connect with God, we're connected to the source of life. Isn't that awesome? That's what resurrection life does to us. It connects us back. Now we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead to live life. Not to live life without sin, because it's Jesus walked the life and modeled it to see what a man would do if sin was not an issue. Yeah, but I still fail. I like to call that falling forward. We all fall forward. What's he say? I'll uphold you with my right hand. Now, that word is symbolic, meaning his righteousness, his right standing, holds you up. It's his. He gives you the faith to believe him. He gives you the love to love him with. The Bible says that you're no longer your, your own because you were bought with a price. But he doesn't treat you like a slave. He treats you like a son. Isn't that amazing? We're a, we were orphaned in an orphan planet, and he made us his. His pedigree, because of his spirit in you, in, infused into your life, now you have the pedigree of God. I didn't say you were God. You're his. The Bible said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. A lot of people say, God's not your butler. He's not. But he did give us in his kingdom benefits. How many ever worked with a company that was unionized or not unionized with a good company, and what do you get? A good benefit package. Stock, you know, stock options. They give you medical. How many, how many know sometimes you go to work with a company that provides all those things, right? And you know what? You take advantage of those benefits. How many like, coming to God has benefits? He heals your body. He takes away your diseases. He says, with long life. How many know that when you get sick, some people call 911? What do we do? Psalm 91, verse 1, that I will dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. Come on now, that's the truth. And so, the resurrection isn't so much a doctrine as it is a present-day reality in our life. So many of us study the Bible and say, oh, I have knowledge, let me put it away. I know all this about God. No, no, no. Jesus intended for his life in you 
to be such that every day you make history with God and this world. He has planted in you the seeds of greatness. He didn't deny your personality and your expressions of life. He just enhanced it because the Bible said he gave you eternal life. I mean, no, in Cristo tenemos vida eterna. Pero no nomás es viviendo por siempre, pero es la calidad de nuestra vida. It's the life of God in you that enhances the quality of life forever, for eternity. Isn't that amazing? Everyone used to think, oh, it's eternal life. Okay, we get to, when we get to heaven, we get to live forever. And over here, we're going to die. Life sucks, and then we die, and then we go to heaven. Mm-mm. He intended for you to live a kingdom, productive, happy, prosperous, healthy life. What about all those other people that are sick? That's why our message has to be preached. You can't say, it's not that I don't. My body is a well body wanting to get sick. Because his word said, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. I don't deny sickness. I deny it's having me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why people don't know. See, you don't have to hang up your brain at the door before you walk into church. If you have questions, and if anyone in this room doesn't have the answers, we'll find them together. Because I, I know that his word is true. Because if Jesus was raised from the dead, then the life I live now is not in vain. My wife and I are both 58. We gave our lives to Jesus when we were 18. And our life with him, even in the, 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 the toughest moment, is still better today than it was before Jesus. You might be saying, <laughs> you might be saying, what kind of life could you have before you, when you're 18? Well, there's still people that live their lives through what they did in high school, and that's a transitory place that gets you ready for the big world. A lot of us are still in transitory places today. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the extreme. And that became available to you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you because the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. How many got something out of this today? Amen. Amen. God is good. Now, we're going to close right now. And I want to challenge you that if your life isn't here, talk to the audience, thank you. And we'll see you next week.